If you have your Bibles, please would you turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. We continue in our study in this epistle, and we are getting towards the end. In fact, I have titled my message, The Compelling Conclusion. But this is only the first part of the conclusion. Um, I'm sure, well, I know there will be more of these. Um, but we, we're coming to this conclusion and the final remarks and applications of the, this teaching that, that John has been giving to us. And having told us how we might find assurance of salvation, the apostle gives us a few final exhortations before he, he closes. And in our passage this morning, John returns to the subject of having confidence before God. Um, he's been speaking about this confidence since... Chapter 3, and this confidence in Christ. We saw um, there in chapter 3 that when we are assured of our salvation, we gain confidence before God. Confidence that makes us obey His will and consequently receive from Him what we request. And true assurance always produces obedience. And obedience always results in us seeing answered prayer in accordance with God's will. And that is the subject of what we're going to look at today from our passage is prayer. So follow me with, um, follow along in the scriptures with me this morning. Um, we are going to be looking at just verse 14 and 15, but we'll be reading from verse 14 all the way through to verse 21. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Lord, we want to just take a moment and pray this morning and ask for your help as we go through this passage. Again, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts um, to what the Spirit would be teaching us this morning. for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's often said, it's not what you know, but who you know that matters in life. While there is some truth to this, most people would, would not relate this to knowing Jesus. The one whom John is talking about, the one whom John said, if you have him, you have life. If you don't have him, you don't have life. And in this matter, who you know 
is of first importance, is the most important thing. And what you know really follows. And John has, has just assured his audience that they may know that they have eternal life. He's been teaching us this right through this letter. It's the reason he wrote this whole book. And from this assurance, we will see today, flows this confidence. This confidence in our relationship with God. And of course, with what we know. And Jesus, Jesus, John here uses the word know six times from verses 14 through to 20. And so what is it that those who are in Jesus know? What is it that we know? Well, if we are in Christ, we know that God hears us, number one. And prayer is the way that believers communicate with God. It's, it's a conversation, conversation with our Heavenly Father that helps us submit to His will when we communicate with Him. If we ask according to God's will, He hears us and He hears our requests. So following directly from verse 13, He tells us that one of the effects of believing on the Lord Jesus is that we have assurance that our prayers will be answered. So my first point this morning is from verse 14. Confidence before God. So look there, if you would, in verse 14. The first part of verse 14 says, This is the confidence that we have toward Him. So before we can have confidence in our prayer, we need to have confidence before God. And verse 14 returns to that subject of having confidence before God. Um, go back with me to chapter 3. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Remember in verse 21 and verse 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and we do what pleases Him. So when we are sure of our salvation, only then... Do we gain confidence before God? Confidence that, that makes us obey His will and, of course, receive from Him what we are asking for. And this true assurance produces obedience. And obedience results in seeing answered prayers. If we are always doubting, if we are always not sure whether we are standing before God and we have a relationship with God, of course, we will never have prayers that are answered. 1 John 3.21 teaches that God only says yes to our prayers when we pray according to His will. And our obedience is necessary, of course, if we want our, our prayers answered. It's very much, very much linked. If we are living in disobedience to God, don't assume that He is under any obligation to answer our prayers. Obedience is linked to, to answered prayer because it's linked to the way we understand the character of God. And we pray in line with His character most of the time. Only believers, those who obey God's commandments, can have the certainty that their prayers will be answered. And John has made it very clear that we can know for sure, 100% sure, that we have eternal life. But before this full expression of that eternal life, to come, we have needs on this earth, don't we? 
And we have concerns. Everybody has concerns. And we have issues and we have struggles and we have battles and we have temptations. And at the same time, we know God answers our prayers. We need to have this confidence. And I confess to you this morning that that this is not even my, my experience. I pray and I've prayed for people to be saved over and over again. And the Lord has not saved them yet. And this is an issue that I struggle with. And prayer is an issue that I'm sure all of us struggle with. Praying confidently, believing that the Lord would answer our prayers. But the scriptures tell us this morning that we need to have this confidence. This is a message that I've been preaching to myself the whole week. This is a message that we all need to hear if we want our prayers to be answered. And the term confidence literally means freedom of speech. We feel a freedom to go before the Lord on any issue and freely, boldly ask Him. You know, we're even instructed in the, the Scriptures to come boldly to the throne of God to, to seek what we need. And our confidence is then not only in, in the life that we're living now, but our confidence should be in the life that we will have eternally. We have access to God. Not everybody has access to God, and that's something that we should not take for granted. We haven't yet entered into our eternal inheritance, which is laid up for us, but we now have access to all of God's resources through the means of prayer. And this is a means of grace, folks. We need to understand this and see this as a means of grace, prayer. And that's why John says, this is the assurance This is the confidence. And literally, this is the boldness by by which we enter His presence. And we can do this freely. And we can request anything we need. But of course, there are conditions that need to be met first. First and foremost, we must have a heart that does not condemn us. Unconfessed sin is a serious obstacle to answered prayer. Now go back for a minute to chapter 3. Look there at verse 21. Now our passage this morning is really a summary of things John has already said in the earlier parts of his epistle. In verse 21 he said, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. In other words, if our heart is right and our conscience is clear, We can have this confidence to go before God. And then in verse 22 it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. There's a condition before we ask, isn't there? We need to make sure that we are right with God. There's another qualifier. It says in verse 22, Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus, and love one another just as He commanded us. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you keep His commandments, and you are loving the brethren, which comes only if you are saved, then you can ask whatever you want, and you will receive it. It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like we should be getting everything that 
that we're asking for. But of course, there are conditions. There are conditions. We have confidence to go before the Lord, and we have assurance that He will receive what we ask. You know, I remember in South Africa when I was involved in a, a children's ministry, there was a young child there that was always sick. And we were praying constantly for this child to, for healing. And her father would come to me and he would plead with me, please, Gareth, you need to be praying more, you need to be praying more. And month after month we would pray and still this little girl was very ill. And eventually the father came up to me and he said, Gareth, he rebuked me. You know, he said, you're not praying hard enough. You need to pray harder for my daughter. And of course, I felt terrible. I felt guilty. And, and I went before the Lord and I searched my heart. Was there, was there some sin that, that I was not confessing, that the Lord was not hearing my prayer? And all of the, the team leaders, we were praying and praying. But later on, we came to learn that this little girl's daughter was having an affair with another lady at his workplace. And he was being a hypocrite. He was going about his, his business like nothing was wrong. And it became clear to us, of course, the Lord was not answering his prayer because he was very much involved in, in sin. You know, Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If we cherish iniquity in our hearts, the Lord is under no obligation to, to hear our prayers. You know, there in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's worth noticing the difference between a, a Christian husband and, and his wife and how even that can hinder your prayers. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There are reasons why our prayers do not get answered, folks. Because of sin. We cannot boldly approach the throne of grace if we are having unconfessed sin in our hearts. But before we move on this morning, let me challenge you this morning. Do you have confidence when you come to the throne of grace? Do you have this assurance that the Lord is going to hear your prayers? Or do you feel like the prayers are, are bouncing off the ceiling and nobody is going to hear them? Perhaps you have heard or even memorized the, the second half of, of James chapter 5 verse 16, which says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the King James language. The NIV says, says it a little differently. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's another version. The Young's literal translation says, Very strong is a working supplication of a righteous man. I mean, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Those are verses that we always run to when we want somebody to pray for us. The first part of the verse, though, is not so familiar. 
The first part of that verse says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Don't think that you can go to somebody else and get them to pray your prayer so that you can get what you want from God when there is unconfessed sin in your life. If you cannot boldly approach the throne of grace because of a guilty conscience, your prayers will not be answered. If you have sin in your life, this, the righteous man is characterized by a holy life. The unrighteous man is characterized by hypocrisy. We will never be able to pray boldly or we will never be able to pray for God's will if we are living outside of his will. And that leads to my second point. Look at the second part of verse 14. We need to pray God's will. We need to pray God's will. It says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. To pray according to God's will assumes, first of all, that we are saved. How can we know God's will and pray God's will if we are not believers? I mean, that's, that's obvious, but it needs to be mentioned, isn't it? I mean, sometimes our prayers are very selfish. Sometimes people's prayers are, 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 are focused on themselves. But as a believer, we want more than anything else for God's glory to be displayed on this earth. And we need to be praying for that as God's people. You know, the world, the world is filled with people who, who pray to God, and, and most of them pray to God only in a crisis. But they don't have any guarantee that he's going to hear their prayer or even answer their prayer. And if they don't know God and they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the only way to know God, God is under no obligation to answer their prayers. So the question is, does God then ever answer the prayer of an unregenerate person, of an unsaved person? Well, he will hear the prayer. He will answer the prayer of confession and faith. When a person, when a sinner cries out to God for the forgiveness of their sins, that is a prayer God will hear. The sinner's prayer of salvation, when they cry out for mercy and the forgiveness of their sins. But does God ever answer just the general prayers of non-believers? Well, the answer to that question is, it's up to him. You know, he may choose to, but he's under no obligation to. He may choose to. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. And it may suit his purpose to hear some, some, some prayer from an unbeliever. But he's under no obligation to answer those prayers. And therefore, there's no certainty, there's no assurance, there's no guarantee that they can, that, that, that can be given to a non-believer that God would answer their prayers. And that's sad when, when you think about it, isn't it? All the people in all the false religions of the world, think about this for a moment. All those people who pray, who go to a temple, who go to a rock, who go to a tree, people who wake up who go to a, to a place five times a day to pray, endlessly offering up prayers. 
God is under no obligation to answer their prayers. Under no obligations. And all the prayers, think about those prayers that are being offered up. Prayers for their family. Prayers for their health. Prayers for children. Prayers for crisis that they may be in. All their needs. All these prayers, they really go up in vain. Because God is under no obligation. When a believer prays in the name of Jesus and according to his will, God is obligated, he has obligated himself to answer those prayers. This is a Christian certainty. This is a Christian certainty. This is the the blessing and the privilege we have as God's children. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said in in John chapter 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But first comes the abiding, isn't it? First comes the abiding. You cannot treat God like a genie in a bottle. And whenever you need something, you go and rub the bottle and out he pops and grants you three wishes. God is not a genie in a bottle. We need to be abiding in him. Remember when Jesus gave the the template to his disciples how to pray. He told them in Matthew 6 verse 10. He said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a mighty instrument. It is a means of grace that the Lord has given to us. So we can enjoy Him. And so that we can do His will. Not so that we get our will done, but so that His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. George Mueller is a a famous character, a famous saint who pastored a a church in, in Bristol, in the UK. And by faith, he opened up an orphanage He wanted to look after the children on the streets that had no place to go. And their small little church didn't have the means to do this. They didn't have the the resources to do this. But he was convinced and he was a man of faith and a a man of of prayer. And God kept on supplying. I would encourage you, go read his story, George Mueller. But he fed thousands of orphans with food that God provided in in answer to prayer. There were times where they would sit at a table with these orphans with not a single bit of food on the table, empty plates. And he would tell the children to bow their heads and they would pray, Lord, thank you for the food that you are going to provide for us. And this happened not once, it happened a couple of times, a few times, straight after the prayer, someone would be knocking on the door. And in one instance, there was a milk van, a milk carriage in those days that had broken down outside and they needed to get rid of the the milk before it went sour and the cheese before it went rotten. And they just gave all of these things to the orphanage. Many times after they prayed, they'd hear a knock on the door and they would see bread, loaves of bread, there outside the door that somebody had donated. And this is what he said about prayer. There's a quote from George Mueller. He said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of God's 
willingness. Let me repeat that. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. There are many promises in the Bible that we can claim in prayer. God has promised to supply our needs. We see that in Philippians chapter 4. But he's never promised that he would supply our greeds. There's a difference, isn't there, folks? If we are obeying his will and we really need something, he knows what we need. And he wants us to ask. Just like a child comes to his parents. We enjoy them coming to us and depending on us and asking us. And we find much joy in helping them and giving them what they need, supplying their needs. God will supply our needs in His way and in His time. You know, there are times when we can only pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Because we simply do not know God's will in in a matter. But most of the times we can determine God's will. You know, reading the word of God. We know his will. He's told us his will. We need to listen to the spirit and we can discern the circumstances around us. But our very faith to ask God for something is proof that, that he wants to give it to us. Hebrews tells us that. And the most important thing about prayer, of course, is the will of God. We must take time to Ascertain. We must take time to determine what God's will is in a particular matter, especially by reading the Scriptures. We cannot be ignorant. We cannot claim ignorance as an excuse, folks. We have His Word. We have His promises preserved for us in the Scriptures. If we want to know His will about a particular situation, we go to the Scriptures. And once we know the will of God, we can pray with confidence. And then we can wait with confidence when he will answer our prayers. I think it's it's difficult at times, and most of us face these challenges to pray according to God's will, because we don't know often what his will is in a particular case. And the scriptures tell us his ways are are not our ways. And we often think that that he has to work in the way that, that makes sense to us. Now, if I had been a disciple of John the Baptist, you know, I would have been praying for my release from prison. And I would have prayed that the Lord would have given me many more years to be his servant. But we know that wasn't God's will. John the Baptist died in prison. He had his head cut off. That was answer to prayer. That was God's will. God's ways was to have a drunken, lustful king make a stupid promise that resulted in John getting his head chopped off. We need to submit to the will of God. We need to pray the will of God. If I had been the Apostle John, I would have prayed for for God to spare my my brother James. After all, he was one of the inner circle of the three disciples who were especially close to Jesus. He was a gifted man, and I'm sure his gifts would have been used in in the early church. 
But we know God permitted Herod to put James to death. God allowed Herod to put James to death. He sent his angel to deliver Peter from the same fate. Why Peter and and not James? And although scripture does not say that, that John was praying for his brother's release, I'm pretty sure that he was. I'm pretty sure that was the number one prayer that he was praying. Yet his request was not granted because it was not God's will. You know, we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That simply means we are praying in the will of God. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray consistent with who Jesus is. Consistent with who Jesus is. With the goal of bringing Him glory. The goal of prayer is not to gratify our selfish desires, but rather to align ourselves with God's purposes. Praying according to God's will not only brings glory to His Son, but it also brings joy to believers. Look at John chapter 16. Look at John chapter 16 quickly. John 16, verse 23. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 23, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Look at verse 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. In Jesus' name is praying for God's will. That's all it is, folks. There's no superstitious mantra when we pray in Jesus' name. We are praying for, for God's will. When obedient believers delight themselves in the Lord, He will plant the desires in the hearts for what glorifies God. Look at the second part of verse 24 there. That your joy may be full. Think of that for the moment. If we're not praying, According to God's will, we will not be blessed with joy. God knows what we need. And He knows when we need it. Trust Him. Pray in Jesus' name, according to His will, so that your joy may be full. We don't understand God's ways. We don't know why He doesn't save those lost family members of us. Now, but God has a will. He has a purpose. Trust His character. Trust His character. God's answer to those prayers will glorify Him and bring believers' wills into line with His purposes and He will fill us with joy. The Scriptures tell us that. This leads to my last point this morning. Our confidence in prayer We will only have this confidence in prayer if we have confidence in the character of God. If we are fully convinced that He is a good, good Father, that He is a good God, that He is superior than us, that He is sovereign over us, if we only are convinced of this, will we have confidence in prayer. Look at verse 15. 
And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. You know, some may ask, but if it is God's will for me to have have a thing, then why should I pray for it at all? Well, because prayer is the way God wants His children to receive what we need. I mean, He could give us whatever we wanted without us receiving, but think of what we would call a little child who gets that. Spoiled. (laughs) Spoiled. God has a reason, folks. He ordains not only the end, but He ordains the means to the end. And prayer is really the the thermometer of, of our spiritual life. God has ordained that I maintain a close walk with Him if I expect my prayers to be answered, if I expect my needs to be met. Look at verse 15. John does not write there, we shall have the requests. But look, instead he says, we know that we have the requests. We know. There's that word again. We know. It's used twice in this verse. And it's used all over this epistle. And it's a verb. It's a present tense. We may not see the answer to prayer immediately, but we know. We have this inner confidence that God will answer it in His time and according to His will. This confidence, this confidence or, or faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is God witnessing to us that He has heard us and answered our prayer. One commentator, Warren Wesby, he said, What breathing is to a physical man, prayer is to a spiritual man. If we do not pray, the scriptures tell us we faint, we grow weary, we grow weak. Prayer is not only the the words that come out of our lips, but it's a desire from our heart to please God, to want His will above anything else. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that, that we are to be on our knees 24 hours a day. That doesn't mean we even need to be using audible words 24 hours a day. I mean, when you're driving in a car, you don't have to close your eyes, okay, when you're praying. Please don't, okay? The Pharisees did that. They were speaking prayers aloud so everybody could hear them in the marketplace. They were well known for that. But this verse is, is suggesting the attitude of our heart as well as our lips should always be in a prayerful state. A prayerful state. It's the attitude of our heart that the Lord is concerned about. A Christian who trusts in the Lord with all of his heart will automatically pray to the Lord when he is in trouble. Or he needs to make a decision. How many times do you make a decision without praying? Think about that for a moment. If we are walking with the Lord, that's the first thing that we're going to do. That's the first thing that we're going to do. A Christian who has his heart fixed on Christ always has access to Christ and can boldly go to Christ. And John, 
in his gospel tells us if we are abiding in Christ, the very desires of our heart are heard by God, whether we speak them or whether we just pray them silently. And the pages of the Bible and the pages of history are really filled with answered prayer, records and reports of answered prayer. And the prayer is not even some type of hypnosis, nor do we even pray to, to boost our feelings, and nor do we pray only when we feel like praying. We pray because God has commanded us to pray, and because prayer is the way God has appointed for a believer to receive what God wants to give us. Prayer keeps a Christian in the will of God, and living in the will of God keeps a Christian in this place of blessing and this place of service. Show me a praying Christian, and I'll show you a serving Christian. Show me a serving Christian, and I'll show you a praying Christian. And we are not beggars. We are children coming to a loving father, a wealthy father who loves to give his children good things. He is not that father who gives his child a scorpion when they ask for bread. He is a good father. No, Jesus was God in the flesh. Remember, Jesus depended on prayer. In order to have access to the father, Jesus prayed. He lived on earth like we do. But he was in dependence on the Father, like we are. Jesus rose early in the morning so that he could pray undisturbed. And though he had been up late at night before he was healing the multitudes, he took time to pray early in the morning. He sometimes spent all night in prayer. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed with strong tears of blood. And on the cross, he prayed three times. Think about that for a moment. If the sinless Son of God needed to pray, how much more do we need to be praying? God's will is always accomplished. And we must remember that our prayers are meaningfully used by God to bring about His purposes. God has decided to use us to accomplish His ordained end. And this privilege, this is a privilege, folks. And I want to encourage you to be more involved in in praying to the Lord. If you're struggling and you need help, we have a prayer team for this very purpose. Join the prayer team. We meet on Friday mornings before, before our Friday school and pray for each other. Come and join us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 tells us explicitly, God hears us. God hears us. And God answers our prayers when the timing is right according to His will. Verse 15 is the same, really. It's telling us that if we know God hears us, then we can know we will have our request granted. If you believe God is listening to you, then believe He will answer your prayers. Now both of these verses this morning give us confidence that anything asked for in accordance with God's will shall be done. It shall be done. In one sense, this can go without saying since the Bible constantly emphasizes 
that God's will will always be done. But then why do we pray? Why then do we need to gather together for prayer? And perhaps that's one reason why people don't. Well, in the first place, we pray because we are commanded to. And God tells us to. And since He is our Lord, and since He is our Father, we need to obey. God has given us eternal life, and He hears us when we ask. We need to have this confidence to ask. He hears us like a loving father. He hears a child who cries out in distress. But the question is, do you cry out? Do you ask him for strength? Do you ask him for faith? Do you ask him for deliverance? Hudson Taylor was a missionary, a pioneer missionary who ministered in China his whole life. And on his journey, his first journey towards China, they still had to have those sailboats. It took them many months to reach their destination. And he heard an urgent knock on his door of this, where, where he was staying, in the boat. And he opened up quickly, and, and there stood the, the captain of, of the ship. And he said, Mr. Taylor, we have no, no wind and our ship is drifting toward an island where the people are, are cannibals. And I fear if we hit the coral reef there, we will surely die. What can I do? Hudson Taylor said. And the captain said, well, I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. And Hudson Taylor said, yes, of course, captain, I will. But before I do that, set the sails. Set the sails. And the captain said, that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze. And besides, the the sailors will think that I've gone crazy, I've gone mad. But finally, Hudson Taylor, because of his insistence, the captain agreed. And 45 minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. And he knocked on the door and he said, Mr. Taylor, you can stop praying now. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. And Hudson Taylor wrote down these details in his diary, in his journal. And this is what he said from this experience. He said, Thus God encouraged me before landing on China's shores to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help each emergency required. Knowing that our prayers touch the heart of our loving Father in heaven and that he can meet any need, we should be confident, folks, that he will answer our prayers when we cry out to him. The eternal God of the universe The one who Psalm 65 tells us established the mountains, who stills the the roaring seas and their waves. He hears us. And he hears us when we pray because he has already won the battle. He has atoned for our transgressions and our iniquities. And we have peace with him. We can boldly and confidently approach him. God is not distant. He is not a God who needs to be woken up with bells. He is not deaf. 
and he is not asleep, we can boldly approach our loving Father. We can confidently approach our loving Father if we are, if we are walking according to his will. And that is my prayer for you this morning. That you would search your heart this morning and that you would be more effective in your prayer for the glory of God and for the joy of all believers. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you today for these encouraging words from this letter. This letter, Lord, that was written and preserved for our admonition. Lord, for our benefit, for our edification, and for our training in righteousness. And Lord, we all need to be trained, especially in this area of prayer. Forgive us, Lord, where we have not prayed like we should. Forgive us, Lord, where we have gone about our daily business, made decisions, tried to meet our own needs without consulting you, without praying to you, without depending on you, Lord. We are all guilty of this this morning. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged this morning to pray. That we would be encouraged to walk close to you. That we can boldly approach the throne of grace and use this wonderful means of grace, prayer, for your will to be done on this earth. And we do pray, Lord, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For your glory and for our joy, we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.